One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. Screen time, screen time. Hello and welcome to It's My Screen Time Too, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming. From Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 10 and Libby and Nate are seven. And I have two kids. Jay is four and Kenny is 18 months. Our kids are pretty stinking adorable, aren't they? They are. All right, guys, this is the part of the podcast where we try and get the momming out of the way and tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are, because, as you know, in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. Deborah, what have your kids been up to this week? This is adorable, but also slightly annoying. So on school mornings, usually I wake my kids up at like 10 to 7. They need to have breakfast at seven, they need to get dressed by 7.20. We have a whole routine and they usually don't want to get up, but Tony and Nate have been getting up super early, like way before I get up at six. Oh, wow. In order to read together. Oh my gosh, my heart. I know. So it's slightly annoying because it kind of wakes me up and I want to be able to sleep till six. But then when I peek in, they're sitting together in Tony's bed reading graphic novels. I can't. That is the cutest thing and everything I could possibly hope for for my boys. (laughs) I know, right? How about Jay and Kenny? Jay often talks about, well, we often talk about time machines because we're a nerdy family and a lot of the stuff we do together involves time travel. So we talk about how like there's no such thing as a time machine. Maybe if Jay studies really hard, he can invent one when he's a grown up. Yeah. And so we were talking about it the other day in the car and he just says kind of apropos of nothing, mom, if I had a time machine, I could go anywhere, even to the 90s. Like the 1990s? Yep. <laughs> He just said it like it was the most exotic thing ever, like the equivalent of ancient Rome. (laughs) For him, it does feel that way, I'm sure. When we all had like selectively crimped hair and bootleg jeans. All right. Well, for our screen time in the news segment this week, we are going a little bit inside baseball and discussing a February 25th article from Variety by Todd Spangler, great last name, and Joe Otterson. And the article is called Questions Remain for Disney Plus and Hulu Amid Iger Chapek CEO Transition. I know it sounds like a dull title, but the point, you guys, is that Bob Iger, who was the big cheese at Disney, stepped down as CEO pretty much because he said, okay, we got this Disney Plus stuff going and it's going great so I feel safe stepping away but the thing that's still unclear because now that Disney owns Hulu and has Disney Plus two major streaming services how are they going to differentiate between these two things what's going to be on one versus the other how are the brands going to be different 
And it's currently really unclear what content would naturally belong with Hulu versus Disney+. I mean, it would seem like logically Hulu would be for the adults and Disney Plus would be for kids. But what about all the Star Wars content and the Marvel Mm -hmm. Cinematic Universe content? And it seems like Hulu is really pumping out a lot of kid-oriented reality content, which we're not complaining about. But it seems like there's a lot of new stuff going on over at Hulu. So everything is just crazy up in the air. What are you watching on Hulu? Well, currently I'm catching up on season six. I think it's season six, season five or season six of the delightful summer show Younger. Yeah, I love Younger. So good. I missed an entire season in there somewhere, which was sad at the time, but so fun when you discover there are like 13 wonderful episodes waiting for you. Yeah, totally. I watched the first episode of High Fidelity. Mm-hmm. This article says that High Fidelity was supposed to be on Disney Plus, but then it was deemed quote unquote to adult. Yeah, I can see that. I read in somewhere else, like the New York Times maybe, that because Disney Plus has so many subscribers right now and they also own Hulu, that more people pay money a month to Disney than do to like cable providers. I can believe it. And that was another interesting thing the article says is a lot of people got Disney Plus subscriptions as like a promotion through their phone plans. Mm -hmm. So they're thinking they're not going to be able to repeat these huge subscriber numbers in the future, which is another thing to think about. Uh, Mm -hmm. What I want to think about is what you thought about High Fidelity. I thought it was fine. I really like Zoe Kravitz. For some reason, Hulu on our TV skips a lot. Oh, no. And like breaks up the video. And so it wasn't like a pleasant viewing experience so I didn't watch the next one but that had nothing to do with the show it was just like my tv I think do you have any fondness for either the book or the John Cusack adaptation loved the movie yeah I never read the book and I feel like it was at a formative time in my Mm -hmm. young adulthood Mm -hmm. where it totally made sense to make like a top five favorite breakup songs I definitely had a very ratty paperback copy of that book. And I swear to you, Deborah, there were underlined passages. <laughs> so I'm kind of scared to watch the new show because I so loved the book, but I was so young. I'm mm-hmm. worried that I might just be like cringing at my younger self as I'm watching it. You might, but Zoe Kravitz is pretty delightful. Even when she's playing like a surly record store owner. She certainly deserves better content than she got in season two of Big Little Lies. I'll tell you that. So definitely. I'm here for Zoe Kravitz doing good things. So follow up from our last episode. My kids right now are watching Lego Masters while we record this podcast. Have you been watching Lego Masters? We have. And I'm pleased to say that I think Will Arnett is getting better. I think he's growing on me a bit. Nice. I was really down on him after the pilot episode, but I think we've watched like four episodes now, and uh, I think he's improving. Good. We're getting to that pleasant point in a reality show where like I have favorites. Mm -hmm. I feel like I can confidently suss out who's going to be good at certain things and who's going to be bad at certain things. So I like it when you get to the point where you start to feel invested. Yeah, totally. So you want to talk about the Weezer song in Frozen 2. I didn't know there was a Weezer song in Frozen 2. And I saw the movie. So now I've, I'm caught up. 
I watched the music video. Uh-huh. Rivers Cuomo <laughs> and Kristen Bell on YouTube. It was amazing. And now that you know that Weezer has covered it and you can hear it in your head in that Weezer voice, doesn't it feel weird to have been in Frozen 2? It certainly does. I don't know. How did they get them to do that? I don't don't know. know. They like doing funny covers. The Weezer rendition is very Weezer-y. Like, it's believable that they wrote it, but they didn't. I'm still fairly new to Frozen 2. We've only watched it approximately 20 million times since it came out. (laughs) (laughs) But I find it hard to even watch that segment in the movie now because it feels wrong. It feels like they shoehorned a rock song into a musical, and it's just weird. Yeah, listeners... Go watch the Rivers Cuomo video on YouTube. It's totally worth it. He's dressed like Sven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, not it's Sven. Uh, what's uh, Christoph? <laughs> oh, sorry, Sven is the reindeer. <laughs> Which would almost be better. <laughs> Any other follow-up? No, that's all I got. Thanks for indulging me. Let's talk Pollyanna. We are diving into the vault on Disney Plus for the first time on the podcast. Pollyanna is a 1960 movie about a cheery orphan bringing joy to a small town based on a book published in 1913. Haley Mills is the star. It's the first of six films that she made for Disney. So that was back when there were big studio contracts. Director David Swift also directed the original Parent Trap in 1961, starring Haley Mills and Haley Mills. <laughs> and uh, he worked on the screenplay for the Lohan remake in the 90s. And side note for myself, he was also born in Minneapolis. I'm going to attempt a one-sentence plot summary. I believe in you. The insufferably cheerful Pollyanna teaches an entire town to play the glad game. She reunites lovers, inspires an adoption, empowers the meek, all while she herself suffers a debilitating accent. Accident. That's debatable. <laughs> so we picked this one because uh, one of our very loyal listeners, Jeremy, suggested we go into the vault and review something super old like Pollyanna. I suggested Pollyanna because I had really fond memories of watching it as a child. My mom was a big Haley Mills fan. So I think we saw probably all six of those films that she made for Disney. Can you think of any of the others? The Parent Trap? Yeah, other than The Parent Trap. Uh, The one with a car? Okay, go on. (laughs) (laughs) Pollyanna sticks out though. And Katie, you had never watched it before. No, my, my first time. So you had fond memories of it as a kid. Did you enjoy it as a grown-up? I have a feeling your use of the word insufferable in your plot summary gives me a small clue. Well, my first thought was, holy hell, this is a long movie. It is two hours and 14 minutes. I was just looking that up because I was like, oh, I wanted to write that down how long it was. (laughs) It was so long. I haven't watched an old movie in a long time. And I I enjoyed it. I did. I think Haley Mills is delightful. I liked just everything about old school filmmaking is so fun to see. But I didn't have the same just cheery fondness for it that I remember as a kid. I looked at it. I mean, I watched it with a more critical adult eye this time. Did you remember the plot involving so 
much of the grown-ups. I think when I rewatch a lot of movies from my childhood, I just remember the fun parts with the kids. But this Mm -hmm. movie was a lot of stuff between grown-ups. I remembered nothing about the class strife. Mm -hmm. And I think probably like the whole failed romance, rekindled romance between Aunt Polly and the doctor probably just went way over my head when I was a kid. Right. Now, speaking of class strife, I almost feel like I need the central conflict of the story clarified for me. So... Spoilers for a movie from 1960, listeners. So the town that this movie takes place in is called Harrington, and it's named after the Harrington family. And Pollyanna is going to live with her aunt, Polly Harrington, the heir to the Harrington fortune. There is an orphanage in town called the Harrington Orphanage, and it is falling apart. And the mayor of the town is like, hey, guys. Let's get some money together and fix the orphanage and Polly... build a new or build a new orphanage. Oh, that's okay. She's like very sentimentally attached to the building that the orphanage is in because oh. it belonged to her family and they like donated it to the town. So mm-hmm. I think she doesn't want to see it raised and a new orphanage built where it is because it's like her family's old beautiful house or something she lives in a super beautiful current house she does with lots of bedrooms and then she puts Pollyanna who's an orphan whose parents were missionaries in the West Indies she puts her in the attic room that's like you go down a corridor with like cast off furniture to get to well you know orphans they love living in addicts if my (laughs) childhood reading serves me right (laughs) I was surprised at how much I did not hate this wow that's yeah I think the existence of the term Pollyanna-ish had sort of spoiled me against the movie Mm -hmm. so I was very prepared for the titular Pollyanna to be really grating. Mm. And it's true that she is always encouraging people to look on the bright side, but I didn't find her cheeriness any worse than, say, Little Orphan Annie, to mention another popular Mm -hmm. orphan. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like the plucky orphan improves the lives of Grumpy Town is a well-worn trope. Do you Mm -hmm. feel like this is the first time it was used? I mean, it was from 1913. I don't know. Well, do you think Oliver Twist was first? Yeah, but do you really think he improves the lives of the grownups? Or do you think he just luckily escapes the horrible grownups that surround him? Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder, this might be the beginning of that orphan trope. Well, I'm not mad at it. It wasn't bad. It was Mm -hmm. long, though. And it expected more, I think... Maybe these older movies, because I remember thinking this when I rewatched Mary Poppins years and years ago. I think they just expected more of children's attention spans. Yeah, and I think it was made for like a multi-age audience. Kind of like how Shakespeare plays had to appeal to everybody in the audience. Because in that in this time period, people weren't like plunking their kids down in front of Frozen 2 so that yeah. they could fold some laundry or whatever <laughs> in peace. They were like dressing up and going to the theater on Main Street and making like a day of it. Right? That's fair. That's fair. So kind of like in the way kid, kids movies today to make them appeal to the entire family, they'll add some like mildly racy jokes that only the adults Mm -hmm. will understand. 
Whereas in the past, they would add a romantic plot. Mm -hmm. One adds approximately four seconds to the runtime of a movie, and the other adds approximately 45 minutes. But everything about it was so different, like the long shots, Mm -hmm. the long camera shots, and the just everything like the mood setting and the crowd scenes like movies today just are like bit bat boom moving so fast like cut to different camera angles and this was clearly made when directors couldn't just like splice together digital bits you know like they had to they were like cutting the film and putting it together since we're already talking about the long shots can we just skip straight to the big party sequence towards the end of the movie the grand bazaar where they're uh, earning money for the orphanage because it had some awesome bizarrely long moments there was this long interlude where a bunch of girls dressed as an american flag (laughs) sang america the beautiful but like Mm -hmm. they sang the entirety of that song twice Mm -hmm. and the film just like stopped to let them do that right And their costumes were ridiculous. They were like garbage bags with no armholes. (laughs) It was very strange. (laughs) But my favorite part of the bizarre scene, I think you know what's coming, was drumming Granny. Because they had a town band in a grandstand and everyone was dancing. And they spent a ton of time just like cutting away to the dancers and the band playing. And they would cut to just this smiling old lady playing the drums. She didn't do anything. We didn't see her at all in other parts of the movie. But she got at least two separate fairly long cutaways. And it was awesome. Yes, totally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> One was like, she played, I don't even know what it is, but it sounded like galloping horse hooves, mm-hmm. the instrument she played. Yeah, it yeah. was like some sort of, they were almost shaped like calabash or something that she was yeah. pounding on. But way to go, drumming granny. <laughs> Take that rapping granny. <laughs> <laughs> do you watch very many older movies? I do not. Nor do I, certainly not with the family, because it's an attention span thing, thing again. Kevin and I... <laughs> are suffering from, or at least I am suffering from an overabundance of choice when it comes to Mm -hmm. television, because we're just so far behind on everything. And so we can just, like you mentioned ages ago, we can just like scroll through the Netflix previews for the entire amount of time allotted to us, and then just have to go to bed. But the other night, we got so fed up with it that we sat down and watched what I considered to be an old movie, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, with Kevin Costner? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I loved that movie. I had it on VHS. I watched it so many times. I know you have that Brian Adams song in your head right now. Does it hold up? In a very nostalgic way, yes. Okay. It's still very entertaining. That scene where uh, Morgan Freeman hands Kevin Costner the telescope, and he mm-hmm. doesn't understand that the people through the telescope are far away, and he's like waving his sword. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Morgan Freeman just like rolls his eyes. Is still great. But there are lots of things that you don't remember from watching it as a kid. Like the sets look very fake. The clothing is very clean. Does a woman get a C-section? I think so. And they give her like a stick to bite down on. Full disclosure, we didn't make it that far because we only have like an hour of free time in the evening. It was either that or he had to like put his hands in and turn the baby. It was one of those two. Okay. 
stronger than I, those ladies. (laughs) So my point being that we don't watch very old movies very often. And I just, I was kind of surprised and delighted by how much I enjoyed this. Yeah, I think I'm not, I've never been a person who's super into old films. I have watched older movies, but that was like back in college when it was like somebody else's idea. So I wish I were better versed in film studies, but I am not. I mean, there was definitely a time when I was self-consciously arty and trying to watch like great old movies, but who has time for that now? I know. I remember my roommate in college, she had a friend over and they watched like this French film. I I don't know what it was, but it was was longer than Pollyanna. I remember I like went out, came back from like an evening out and they were still watching it. determined to make it through but not enjoying it at all yeah I've been there (laughs) (laughs) you remember before Netflix was streaming and you had to order the DVDs Mm -hmm. and you would have like the queue that you imagined you would have like all the movies that you felt like you should watch but then you would just keep pushing the newer movies to the top and those old arty movies would just languish at the bottom of your list <laughs> it was just aspirational mm-hmm. yeah totally <laughs> or sometimes you'd forget to do the maintenance and one of them would come in the mail and you'd be like oh screw this you just put it right back in the sleeve and throw <laughs> it in the mailbox <laughs> all right back to business what did you think of young miss Haley mills i think she's so good or she was so good I mean, I loved her in The Parent Trap. And it's astounding to me how she's not conventionally, like, pretty. Mm -mm. She's definitely a very attractive young girl. But how, like, it's that, like, Hollywood would never cast somebody who looks like that anymore. And she's so not polished in a really wonderful way. Like, she's clearly a kid putting on a show, But Mm. her her tics that she uses to convey Pollyanna's naivete or whatever, how she like sticks her tongue out on the side of her mouth or like sometimes she chews on her hair. I feel like you would never get a movie about a young person with those kind of physical attributes that are very true to children of that age. We just would never see it anymore. Right. One benefit of the way in which films were not edited as they are now is like there's so many shots of her just like scrunching up her face and looking like bewildered (laughs) (laughs) yeah they just have time to really let the character breathe which helps Pollyanna not to feel as insufferable as she could I mean just hearing that summary she teaches the whole town to play the glad game yeah that sounds awful but she feels a little bit more like a believable character because she's given some space. Mm-hmm. And when she explains where the clad came, came from, you just really like, I don't know, you really feel for her. Like she was this poor little or poor little girl, missionary parents, no money, like just hand me down clothes. And they asked for a doll to be sent in the missionary parents. And she got a pair of crutches <laughs> instead. <laughs> Speaking of Pollyanna's horribly sad circumstances, she's an orphan. Her parents have died. Presumably her mother was Polly Harrington's sister, but there is no mention of her or any relationship that they had in the entire two hour and 14 minute movie. 
there is mm-hmm. only mention of Pollyanna's father, who every time Pollyanna, who is a child who just lost her parents, starts to bring up her father, her aunt is like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, that Aunt Polly is a stone cold bitch. She's horrible yeah and she gets like a redemption arc but i feel like it comes in hot at the end and for the majority of the movie she's just awful mm-hmm. yeah there's this scene where pollyanna is talking to the doctor who was at one time like dating aunt polly and they have gone their separate ways and he's like reminiscing about how aunt polly used to wear her hair long down to her shoulders and aunt polly in the movie throughout she always has her hair up in like a very coiffed updo and i feel like the filmmaker would have chosen to show her with her hair down at the end as a way to like redeem aunt polly and show that she was making a effort to be a better person mm-hmm. but that never happens Yeah, like she never comes around about the orphanage or you never see her coming around about the orphanage. Mm -hmm. There is just a horrible accident that happens at the end and she like in a rush decides that, oh no, she does love Pollyanna. And she's going to let Pollyanna move into a better bedroom. (laughs) And then they're all happy at the end as they leave in the train waving at the townspeople. But Pollyanna is paralyzed. And she has to travel to Baltimore for a very risky operation. It Urgently. It's an emergency situation. And they're like, goodbye, goodbye. I love you. Goodbye. It's v- it's a very strange ending. Yeah, totally. Do you think that she gets to walk again? I hope she does. I hope so, too. It would stink to be cooped up in Polly's house all day and not be able to mm-hmm. walk. Yeah. I think the ending graded on me more than the entirety of the rest of the movie. Yeah, but the scene where she has the accent, accident, why do I keep saying accent? She, it was truly suspenseful. It was. My heart was beating, my palms were sweating. It like really affected me physically. It was great filmmaking. And plot wise, they set it up really well from the beginning. They established that her friend he called Jimmy Bean yes that her friend Jimmy Bean likes climbing trees and Pollyanna doesn't really approve she thinks it's dangerous and then they bring it back at the end because Polly wants to go to the bazaar to sing in her hot dog flag costume so Jimmy Bean has to help her climb down the tree and you can see her hesitation because you've already learned that she doesn't like it and why she doesn't like it so then when she has to climb back up the tree to get back to her attic bedroom you feel the tension it was really and it's well paced The doll, the doll that she didn't get in the missionary barrel. Well, the doll came out okay. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Were there any grown-up members of the cast that really stood out to you? So the cook in the movie, she was also in Mary Poppins. Oh, really? Rita Shaw. Mm -hmm. I looked her up um, because I recognized her. And then I also looked up... Richard Egan, who plays the doctor, mm-hmm. and he and the cook, the actor who plays the cook, they're like around the same age. Whoa. Yeah. Rita Shaw is only like a few years older than Richard Egan. So that stupid double standard where men still get to play the romantic lead when they're old mm-hmm. was still yep. there in 1960. Yeah. So Richard Egan, I looked him up because his voice is incredible. <laughs> but his face like doesn't move. It's like 
this is way before Botox, so he has no change in his expressions at all. He's kind of an odd-looking man. I'll give him that. (laughs) (laughs) So I put, what are your thoughts on the music? But, you know, I really just wanted to talk about Drumming Granny and the America the Beautiful. Did you have any other music musically related thoughts? I really enjoyed the score. I don't know how they did it back in the olden days of movie making but like the score just perfectly coordinated with what was happening on screen and like really added to what the characters were probably feeling at the time like when they arrive at Aunt Polly's house for the first time like the camera pans up and up and up and up to show how dramatically beautiful and big the house is and that the music score just like adds so much to that moment. I loved the score. I thought it was great. Yeah, they really don't do it like that anymore, where the music cues are so specific to what's going on on screen. But it was a nice throwback. I wonder if we watched more movies like this, if it would grade on us, and we would be glad that we have more like realistic ambient music now. Could be. Could be. What adult movie or TV show does Pollyanna compare to? I feel like whenever I see movies about cheerful children, it always makes me think of Happy Go Lucky, which again is a movie that I love and about Mm -hmm. a woman with an inexplicable cheerful outlook on life. I would highly recommend it. Okay. I started at The Good Place because it's sort of about how to be a moral person. Mm -hmm. We didn't even talk about the pastor who is big part of the speaking movie. about length yeah just to circle back I could have done without that huge sermon chunk it felt like it took forever I know it felt like you were like sitting in church as a child uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> mind wandering for sure okay then I thought about Oprah's super soul Sunday because I feel like that's kind of an adult glad game I don't even know what that is I've never watched it okay <laughs> And then I landed on Parasite. What? Because of just, it's a main part of the movie is about how Aunt Polly is like, she's the 1%. She's this very paternalistic figure, like the robber barons of old. She thinks she knows exactly what's good for the hoi polloi in the town. And she's got this perch up far above everybody else and then everyone else is like scrambling because of her and it just made me think of like Parasite is really all about class difference and also Parasite at the end has just a really dramatic ending Mm -hmm. were you able to cast the gritty HBO reboot I didn't do much casting I just thought we could give the doctor romantic lead role to John Cho (gasps) me too John, we feel like we've been neglecting you lately, and we just wanted to give you this chance. (laughs) And you can make facial expressions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You could definitely one-up that Richard Egan character. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I would cast Blake Lively as Aunt Polly. Ooh, she seems a little young to me. She, I mean, she's like a adult woman. She has like a couple kids. She's younger than John Cho, but the reason I thought of her is because remember what she looked like when she was in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she definitely had a nose job <laughs> at some point, and I think she really resembled Haley Mills. Oh, I'm going to have to look at a side-by-side. Younger days. Oh, I love it. Okay, so we didn't even talk about Nancy, who's like the maid and the closest thing that 
uh, Pollyanna has to a friendly adult in my house that she lives in. I would cast Phoebe Robinson in that role. And then I would cast John Mulaney as Nancy's fiance. Oh, George. He would make a great George. Yeah, because he was kind of like zany and funny and energetic in a John Mulaney type of way. Yeah, I'm all for giving John Mulaney all the parts. Did you see his most recent Saturday Night Live hosting gig? I can't believe he's hosted it three times now. We That was so funny because Jeremy and I watched it and he was like, who's John Mulaney? And I would not know of John Mulaney if it weren't for you. So I was like, <laughs> well, actually. I love those casting choices. So was it better when we were kids? (laughs) This is a trick question that you wrote on the doc, right? (laughs) Yeah, because this is actually from before we were kids. Guys, we are not this old. (laughs) You know, we talk about how old we are, but we were in fact not even born yet in 1960. Were the kids' movies of our actual youth in the 80s better than those of the 60s? Yeah, I think... I would way rather watch Troop Beverly Hills than watch Pollyanna again. No, I mean, nostalgia certainly plays a big role in it because, well, I guess you do have some nostalgia for Pollyanna. Mm -hmm. I certainly have more nostalgia for Troop Beverly Hills. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, this is a tricky one. Mm -hmm. Would you ever watch Pollyanna alone voluntarily? It's so long. I mean, yeah, I could fit in a couple episodes of McMillions. I don't think so. I'm really glad I did, though. But I yeah. don't even know if there will ever be a point where I can make my kids sit through it. It's so long. It's really long. I watched it over the course of like five days. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm really glad I watched the whole thing. If we hadn't picked it to review I would never have watched the whole thing Mm -hmm. and now that we have it does make me want to explore those other five Haley Mills movies and see if they're on Disney plus I don't know that I'll watch all two hours plus of each of them but I'm curious yeah I can definitely see a original parent trap rewatch in my future Mm -hmm. oh my gosh so part of the reason why I did not understand this is way more than 10 seconds part of the reason why I did not understand the major conflict of the film having to do with the orphanage is that I tried to watch this with Jay oh he got so bored so fast yeah (laughs) so he probably pieced out at around the 30 minute mark and then I watched the rest of it by myself I think it's a combination of him being too young and just Again, it's just not an expectation we have for our kids these days to be able to sit down for two and a half hours. I think it would be fine for our kids. I don't think I'm going to try to get my kids to watch it, though. I honestly think Libby would like it, though. And I think she could she'd bounce around the room a little bit, but she could have the attention span to get through the whole thing. So probably age six. Mm hmm ratings this was solid i was prepared to like have so much shade to throw at it for being overly sunny and grating but i feel like i haven't said anything truly bad about it other than the length maybe a 3.5 okay how about you i would give it a four and a half i think it's an excellent film yeah really well done well thank you so much jeremy for recommending that we dip into the vault we're so glad we did and i think it's safe to say this won't be the last time we do so listeners if you have any suggestions for good older films they don't have to be on disney plus any of the streaming services or anything that's really 
readily available for us to watch. We are down for. So with that, thank you for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out our website at My Screen Time 2, or you can still find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. That's also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments at at myscreentime2. You can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye. Screen time. Screen time.